All righty. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Spygate Report. I'm your host, Bill Vink. And so the cool thing about this whole Spygate Report, and I know you guys probably like, shouldn't this be a football thing, Spygate, Patriots, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But uh, this is going to be something that we're going to be covering, mixed martial arts, so, which we are going to be doing that today, as you guys can see by the thumbnail, and by the UFC Fight Night uh, episode that just dropped last night. What a fight card we had headlining this fight card was Sadiq Yosef, who as it was inactive for almost a year, coming off of surgery, taking on the legend that is Ed, uh, Edson Barboza. Before I get into that Spygate report, I want to talk to you guys about that really quickly. The Spygate report, basically, we're going to be covering the hottest news in the sports world and almost any sport, basically. So look forward to all different types of, of, of contents coming from, from me and a few other people. I guess I can have on. I want to expand on this, maybe have some type of, you know, around the horn S type of show come on soon. Uh, when I get more people, I'm obviously looking for more people to podcast with as well. So if you're a sports fan, if you're an MMA fan, a soccer fan, baseball fan, basketball fan, football fan, let us know. Hit us up in the comments and we'll see what we can do. With that being said, let's go on to the UFC fight night fight card. This fight this fight card literally happened last night, 10-14-23. And I want to talk about the main event first. It was phenomenal, but we're going to start with the prelims. Ashley Yoder, who comes in, who came in 8-8 eight eight in this fight, taking on Emily Um. Dakota, I'm pretty sure I, I butchered her name. I'll be butchering a lot of people's names on this stuff. Um, she Dakota comes in at the 12 and 8 record strawweight division fight. Um, you know, looking into this, I didn't really know much about both of these two fighters. I'm not gonna lie to you, so I was very impressed from what I seen. You know, in round number one, I will say this: both fighters had amazing footwork, and what really stood out to me was the leg kicking. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal from both fighters. It was. I would, in my opinion, at the end of round number one, it really looks like Yoder, she stood out in round number one just by a little bit. Um, you know, Ducote did have a takedown at, at the end of that round, but in my opinion, round number one definitely went 10-9 Yoder. I'm definitely going to give you guys what I felt like with, with the scorecard was, in my opinion. Of course, we'll go. There's a lot of uh, unanimous decisions on this uh, fight card, so we'll talk about that too. But I wanted to go on to round number two. Uh, round number two to me is really where Ducote kind of, it seemed like she really found her groove finally and she found it kind of early in round number two. Her striking was looking way better than it was in round number one. She wasn't taking as many risks. I mean, it was very smooth on her and not saying that Yoda didn't do that, but it just, for me, you know, Ducote just outstri outstriked her just a little bit. I feel like she landed more significant strikes. And because that, I had 10-9 Ducote in round number two. So now, at least in my head, it was at least, you know, 19-19 um, apiece going into round number three. Now, this right here was a phenomenal third round for one reason. The counter-striking was on display from both fighters. I mean, if this is what the struggle is going to put on, I think both these fighters have a good future, hopefully. Um, both of them have a lot to learn, clearly. But uh, from what we're seeing, they had a lot of promise in this fight. But for me... You know, Ducote, once again, was phenomenal counter-striking. And in this fight, she had over 100 significant strikes. She reached that about the, the early stages of round number three, and she easily went over 100 uh, significant strikes. So by decision, it was 30 to 30, 27, 29, 28, 29, 29, 28. Unanimous decision victory going to Emily Ducote. That pushed, that pushed her to 13 and 8. Obviously, a bright future ahead of Emily Ducote. I, I can't wait to see her back. And my real, my, my biggest question is what happens to Ashley Yoder right now? I think that's the biggest thing. What will happen to Ashley Yoder? Um, 
it's going to be relatively, I wouldn't say perplexing, but I'm just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with Ash Yoder. But for Emily, Emily Dakota, I can't wait to see when she gets back in the octagon. She looked confident. She looked smooth in this fight. She really, she, she counterfought for the majority. Of this, and that's what really landed her a lot of significant strikes. So for me, can't wait to see Emily uh, Dukat once again in the octagon. Next, that we had number the ranked number fifteen, Chris Gutierrez, who was coming at nineteen five and two two draws against Alatang Haley, sixteen eight and two. The bantamweight, so we'll be hearing the bantamweight division a lot in this podcast. Um, round number one, honestly, Chris Gutierrez really controlled the space this entire fight with leg kicks. There was very rarely was I. To sum this all up, Chris Gutierrez decimated Alatang Hale for all three rounds with leg kicks and control in the space. That's the easiest way to kind of keep to sum this fight up, really. Like by the time Haley Alatang finally found his footing, it was late in round number three, and there just wasn't much he could do. And truthfully, it went to a unanimous decision. Uh, Chris Gutierrez wound up winning 30 27 on all scorecards, unanimous wise. And I was 25 and two. So congrats, Chris Gutierrez, on that one. We followed it up with Melissa Dixon, who was five and zero. She was undefeated coming into this fight. She went against Irina Alexeva, who the people were calling the Russian Ronda, which I've never um, heard that one before. Uh, the Russian Ronda was five and one in the women's bantamweight division. Now, what I liked about this one. Round number one, it, it's funny because this kind of reminded me of what happened in the Yosef uh, versus uh, Barboza fight, which we'll get into. But round number one, I mean, Alex Seva has a heavy right hand, and that was a straight-up jab that just pummeled, I mean, pummeled um, Dixon throughout the, throughout that round. And when she was, she was on the ground, that's when things started to turn. Dixon then kind of got back up. She took down Alex Seva, and this was kind of the format for the entire uh, rest of the fight, it wound up going to a decision. But Dixon, from round up, from the middle of round one, up getting knocked out, almost almost knocked out, and then getting that takedown to round number two and round number three, she just dominated on the ground. She showed that her wrestling tired out Alex Saver by round number two, and at that point, it was an unanimous decision victory, 30-27-29-28 by two, for two other judges. Uh, but Melissa Dixon does get it. She's now 6-0 in the UFC. The one thing I will say is that if Dixon's going to be that heavy of a wrestler, she's got to work on her cardio because she was gassed by, like, the middle of round number three. Normally, that's not a bad thing. But when you're not able to do anything significant besides stay on top of somebody, you need to do a little bit more than just stay on top of somebody. The, the judge can score that. Oh, both of them tired. Both of them are tired. Both of them aren't doing anything. And it's hard to score that. But, you know, either way, Dixon, in my opinion, definitely did drop round number one, but she picked it up in round number two and three. Uh, no, no, no question about it. So I, it was easy to see her being six and zero. Uh, congrats to her on that one. Now, what I did want to get into was the next fight: Terrence McKinney, my guy, Terrence McKinney. I'm a big Terrence uh, McKinney fan. I will admit that. I have no shame in that. Terrence McKinney, Terrence McKinney came to this fight fourteen and six. He took on Brandon Marat, who was eight and one the lightweight division. Now. Of course, if you know anything about Terrence McKinney, these fights normally don't go past the first round or past the first three minutes. So Terrence McKinney, like I just said, it's knee to the face followed by a barrage of punches for a 20-second knockout over Brandon Marat. Terrence McKinney goes 15-6, and six, and I can't wait to see Terrence McKinney back. I'd like to see him back in December. Um, he's not really a call-out guy, unfortunately, so you know we can't really expect a certain fight or whatever. He just likes to fight anybody. Um, 
I don't I really hope that they eventually give I know he just he lost his last fight, won this one, but he was on a roll between if he can pick up a win or two, I gotta think they gotta give him somebody in like the top 15 for lightweights. They got to. I mean how many more like especially for Dana White? Like Dana White loves these type of guys. He's got some type of charisma, but he gets it done. He always puts on an exciting fight. It's always over quickly. And the crowd, you know, the crowd loves it. He's a knockout special. Things got third now. Now I think he's got 14 first round finishes out of 15 wins. So I mean, you 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 can't. I don't know how the UFC hasn't really put the you know the marketing machine behind this guy, but you know it is what it is in, in that regard. Next up, we had Tenaria Lisboa versus Ravina Oliveira. Lisboa came in at six and two. Oliveira six one and one. The bantamweight division. I remember this fight for being kind of boring, and I don't mean to say like I got my notes. I'm looking at. I'm like, yeah, I remember this. Um, this was kind of realistically what happened. Lisboa was effective on the stand-up, but once she went to the ground, both fighters, by the way, did share a takedown in round number one. But once he got to the ground, Lisboa was just in complete control, and there really wasn't much to say after that for the round number two. It was about the same as round number one, just her being in complete control of the ground. And then round number three, Oliveira was finally in control and still did nothing because she was gassed. What I did learn is that both these fighters do actually have great offensive takedown skills, but they have zero takedown defense and takedown, like, you know, or, defense, or at least defensive awareness in that regard. So that, that's something that both these fighters definitely need to work on because it's definitely it's definitely going to hinder them if they keep keep it up like this. So they need to definitely work on that. Um, again, there really there's really wasn't much to say about this fight besides you know winner by unanimous unanimous decision. Uh, all three judges scored it 29-28. Tanara Lisboa seven she now seven and two in the UFC. I can completely see that. I mean, she definitely won round number one and two and lost round number three, but it, it's. There just wasn't much to say about this fight, honestly. Now, for the featured bout of the prelims, my guy Darren Elkins, 27-11, took on TJ Brown, who's 17-10. and 10. Um, Man, what do I say about that? Listen, I'm going to put it this way. Darren Elkins just keeps evolving at his age, and it's completely amazing. I mean, Elkins and Brown shared a takedown in round number one, um, and this was really just amazing counter-grappling, counter-wrestling. It was insane. Darren Elkins really put on a clinic on how to escape most chokeholds and, 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 you know, take down uh, attempts. I mean, it was nuts. Now don't get me wrong. TJ Brown definitely did his own thing, showed his strength, you know, almost angle slammed um, uh, uh, Darren Elkins at one point, but you know, man, this was a great fight. It, it really was a great fight. Like I, I don't want to spoil it too much. I really feel like if you can watch the highlights, the highlights will do it justice. I mean, Darren Elkins just proved that age is nothing but a number in this fight and that he's clearly got a, a lot left in the tank. You know, he winds up winning this fight by rear naked choke. Um, and he really gassed out TJ Brown. To be honest, he gassed him the heck out. But this fight, in my opinion, was really all Darren Elkins dominating the ground, dominating. He just dominated. And TJ Brown, not to, not to say that he didn't do much. I mean, TJ Brown really gave it his all and he really put himself in a lot of positions to try to get a choke, you know, take him down, and just Darren Elkins just countered it. I mean, there was just some things Darren Elkins were doing. I was like, there's no way he's going to get out of this. And Darren Elkins found a way. At one point, they were rolling around at one you know, during a takedown. He just got out like it was nothing. And he was about to get choked out. So it just – Darren Elkins, I, I can't say enough, put on an absolute clinic on how to be evasive, and that's really what did in T.J. Brown. 
Um, unfortunately, that, that rear naked choke got him in round number three, and Darren Elkins was victorious. Darren Elkins now 28 and 11 in the UFC in, in his career. Then we went to the main card. Christian Rodriguez, who's 9 and 1, took on Cameron Simon, Simon who was 9 and 0. This fight was interesting. I didn't really appreciate the fact that Rodriguez missed weight by five pounds, um, but it is what it is. You know, Rodriguez landed a nasty spinning back fist. Try to go for a submission two on Ant. Well, he, first of all, he landed the spinning back fist, got a takedown, then went up, went for a submission within a span of like 15 seconds. And Simon kind of easily escaped that Anaconda to a, a, a submission attempt. I was surprised. What I did like from Sambo in round number one and two, he was very active on his feet, had a lot of good leg kicks. He was very aware of where he was in terms of, you know, being in dangerous positions or putting himself in positions that may have not had him succeed. So I really like the fact that, you know, Simon did that. Um, what I will say is in round, I mean, it was a pretty even fight in round number one. It may look like it wasn't, but it, it really was. It, it could be 10-9 either way. Because what Simon did after that takedown attempt, after the back fist, after the takedown, after that submission attempt, he just dominated with distance and you know leg kicking. It really worked out for him really well. Um, so it was a very it went 10-9 for me either way that round. Now what happened round two was interesting. It was a nice knee to the body. Um, he even got another takedown on there as well, but he kept going for this anaconda in round number two and could never come close to secure it. That was my biggest deal. Like it didn't work the first time. It didn't work the second time. Where I can try to third, it just didn't make any sense to me. Now, you know, counter grappling almost prevailed for Simon in round number two. But what we've seen, and I don't know if this is because of maybe the extra five pounds. I don't know what, maybe a little bit stronger. But Rodriguez was easily able to kind of overpower him. And you got to think the five pound weight differential. I almost be like, oh, well, why would that matter? It just seemed that like he just had that advantage. It was weird. Like it just seemed like he had a power. That power, you know, was just completely in his favor. And it definitely didn't service Simon at all uh, in this fight. He definitely was at that disadvantage. I feel that's why Rogers was able to power out a lot of things and have such great counter grappling in this fight. Um, I could be completely wrong, but I think I really do believe that, that five pound weight advantage, um, being overweight and, 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 you know, really helped them out. Now, we get to round number three. Even striking, even grap even grappling for both fires. It was kind of like the whatever rounds, you know. Uh, it, Simon really knew that he he lost round number one. I think by the time round number three hit, and that he lost round number two, so he was trying to go for broke. But just Rodrigo was able to counter a lot of things, kind of counter strike, keep distance, create distance, um, and so it ultimately led. Excuse me, sorry. It, it ultimately led to going to a unanimous decision. 30-27 and 29-28 by the other two judges for Christian Rodriguez winning this fight as he goes 10-1. and one. Now, honestly, I'm, I don't know. I was not too thrilled with this fight because I wonder if this fight would have been the same if they were at the same weight. Um, unfortunately, well, you know, we'll, we'll never know. And hopefully we can get a rematch because that means Simon is no longer undefeated. And I don't know. I just – I didn't really appreciate – maybe it's just – me kind of being picky, but I didn't really appreciate that fight that much. I was like, okay, whatever. Next up, we had uh, Michelle Pereira, who's 28-11 with two no contests, taking on Andre Petrovsky, who's 10-2 in a middleweight fight. This fight only took a minute and six seconds to end in the first round. Pe 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 uh, Pereira had a nasty straight jab that just completely floored Petrovsky. I think he even knocked him out until his head bounced off the floor and woke him up again. And then the barrage of shots ended that fight in a minute and six seconds. Michelle Pereira 
the winner, 29-11 and 11 with Juno Contest now. So congrats to Michelle Pereira. Now, rank number 13, Jonathan Martinez, who was 18-4, and four, took on rank number four, Adrian Giannis, who was 16-4 and four in the Bantamweight division. Um, I had a lot of notes for this, but I will explain this. Leg-kicking city. It was all Jonathan Martinez in this fight. It, he just dominated leg kicking. I don't know why Adrian Giannis, he just didn't look like he could even, I don't know if he prepared for this fight. I don't know if he was just, Martinez was just too fast. I, I don't know what it was, but Giannis was not, was not checking any of these leg kicks. And he just kept kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking the same thigh. He didn't even change lead legs at all in any of the rounds. And, Eventually, it led to uh, a, T- a TKO leg knock, uh, you know, a leg TKO knockout. And Jonathan Martinez now joins, ironically, the man in the main event, Edson Barbosa, for having multiple TKOs via leg, by, you know, because of, of leg knockouts, technically. So, um, a phenomenal fight and a masterclass from Jonathan Martinez. Leg kicking city. That's really what it was. It was a dom- He dominated him. There is no other way to look at it besides that, you know? So ultimately, there just wasn't much that Jonathan Martinez could have done wrong. He dominated the fight, and as he should. But congrats to Jonathan Martinez on one heck of a performance and one heck of of, of a fight. Um, he said he wins he's down 19 and 4. Let's go on to the co-main event, women's flower division, rank number nine, Jennifer Myers, 21, 9, and 1. Took on rank number 11, Vivian Arujo was 11 and 5. The way best way I could put it, both these fighters mir- mirrored each other through the entire fight. I mean the entire fight. Um, striking was on point for both fighters. Uh Maya slightly outdoes out Arujo in round number one for striking. Uh, well, so it was 10-9 Maya for me when it got to round number two. Um, Arujo landed an early takedown, and then she just dominated on the ground for the, the majority of, of round number two. And it's funny because when round number three started, Maya started getting her strikes going again mid-round. Then went for a takedown. It get, went into a body lock. She attempted an, an armbar at the last second, but no submission. In my opinion, it was an even round, but it, with the way it was going, you could tell that round number three slightly went to Arujo. So, at the end of this, at the end of the fight, it went to a decision, of course, but it went by 29-28 by all three judges. Vivian Arujo now twelve and five. She puts away the challenge of Jennifer Maya, and this really showed that Vivian Arujo is, is as versatile. She, is. she was able to strike very well with Maya. She was able to dominate on the ground. She's finally getting that form that could actually contend for the uh, flyweight title, at least in my opinion. Um, next up, the main event, rank number 11, Sadiq Yosef is 13-2 and two versus rank number 13, the 23-11 and 11 Hall, Hall of Famer in the featherweight division, Edison Barboza. Now, in round number one, it was all Sadiq Yosef. It was one hell of a power play. It was just a complete mauling. Absolute respect to what Sadiq Yosef did. He destroyed he decimated Edison Barboza in round number one, put all of his energy into it. I was absolutely impressed. Now, the problem was, and it looked like for me personally, that he emptied out his entire gas tank in round number one. They just said that was the plan, and then he's going to recover round number two and get back in round number three, and that just didn't happen for the rest of the fight. And what it did was allow Edison Barboza later on to recover. 
speaking of, round number two, Edison Barboza, who was then looking kind of defeated, came back. He finally found the groove in round number two. Yosef just barely edged him out in points, but realistically, it should have been 10-8 round number one for Yosef, 10-9 for Yosef in round number two. That's a 2017-point differential, right? Now let's go into round number three where things get interesting, right? Okay. Now it's, on the other hand, Edison Barboza lands some heavy shots. Edison Barboza is really in control now from, from round number three. And the same thing that happened to Yosef in round number one where he had it to destroying Barboza. It just completely flopped. It switched in round number three. Round number three, Barboza was in complete control, dominating, dropped him. He really messed him up. Great job to the refs, by the way, in this fight for constantly letting the fight go until there was a clear knockout. Herb Dean was fantastic, so thank you, Herb Dean, for that. Letting the fight go until there was an actual knockout because it could have ended in round number one. It could have ended in round number three. So great job by Herb. And again, that now was 10-8, in my opinion, for Barboza. Now we're looking at 29-28. Wait. Nope, nope, sorry. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, yeah. If my, if my math is wrong, shoot me. Wait, no, sorry. 28, 28, 28, sorry. 28, 28. Don't know what the hell I was talking about. 2028. 20, yeah. Sorry, folks. So, yeah, it's an even round now. Round number four. Barboza dominates again. Doesn't do much because he's kind of gassed. But Barboza is still able to outstrike, grapple, take down Joseph. It just, because Joseph never recovered from that first round. And by third round, he was done. And then round number five, Esther Barboza just kind of hangs on. Joseph kind of finally starts to find his groove again. Too late, of course. And we get a pretty even round of round number five. So we go into the judge's decision. You know, the judge's court, 49-46, 48 46, 48-46. Unanimous decision, victory, and comeback king, Edson Barboza, victorious, 24-11. and 11. Now, here is the real question. What does Edson Barboza do now after such a huge victory? You got to think it's only upward from here. If he's chasing a title or chasing top contendership, he needs to have a top contender. He's definitely going to move up to at least number 10, I feel, at least in the rankings. Now, for Sadiq Yosef, the only thing Yosef did wrong in this fight was empty his gas tank. I hope he doesn't take another year off, another six months off. He needs to be back in this octagon. It's cardio. I think it was just going into a fight like this or taking a year off was a bad idea. Um, I want to see Sadiq Yosef back in about three to six months. Yeah, he needs to be active in the octagon. I think he's got it. I really do. I hope he doesn't take more time off than, than necessary because I think that's going to hurt him more than anything. He needs to be back in. The only thing he had is cardio. If he had the cardio, if he had the conditioning of being an active fighter, he would. He would. I think he would have steamrolled that Edson Barboza. That was the only issue. So, folks, with that being said, I had to kind of make this one short. But thank you guys so much for watching. Please do subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're watching us on Apple Podcasts, Spygate Report, everybody, let everyone know we're here. See you guys next time. Stay off the hook and keep on top of this report. That was really corny, but we're gonna, I'll make it better next time. Peace out, everybody.